Christ is risen. Let us pray. Oh God, show us how your love is being made real each and every day. Help us to see it and embrace it and share it. May the Spirit push us and encourage us and call us. Amen. If you happen to be with us last week and then you're with us today, and if you happen to remember the text from last week, well, the one today sounds a lot like what we read last week. Last week I read from uh, 1 John 4, and it was a text where the word love was used 18 times. Now that word for love in that text is the word agape. Agape is one kind of love. There are other kinds of love in Scripture. One is eros, which is more of a sexual love, and philia, which is uh, friendship love, brotherly love. But this word is agape. It's, it's an unconditional love. It's a, a love that's given regardless of circumstance, no matter what. Indeed, in that reading last week, John says in that letter that God is love. Well, if you happen to be reading along this morning when, uh, uh, when Jolene was reading, perhaps you noticed that word love was used again. It wasn't 18 times like last week, but it was a lot of times it was 10 and just for good measure in that first reading that Jarrah had, the word love, agape, was used three times. And it was just in two different verses. Love in the sense of God the Father loving Jesus the Son. And Jesus the Son loving us who follow. And us who follow loving one another. There's another word that was in our reading today a whole lot. It was in the first reading too. And that word is the Greek Entole, which means commandment or command. It also can mean an order or prescribed rule. It was six times in just this reading that Jolene read and twice in that first reading. And like the word agape, which was used more than any other place in the Bible in the book of John, John's gospel, and also in 1 John, this word entole or command is used more often in John and in 1 John than any other place in Scripture. This week I spent a lot of time bouncing around those two words in my head. Love and command. They're two words that don't sound like they should go together, do they? I mean, love is something you do willingly, not being commanded to do. You fall in love. Love is something that happens without coercion. Love is blind, they say. It happens at first sight, we've heard. Love can't be something that you are ordered to do, can it? And yet, right in the middle of our reading in John today, we read this verse. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, what are we to say about that? Is, really, is Jesus really ordering us? To love each other? Can he do that? Well, before I want to dive into those questions, I want to get us on the context of where we are in the book of John. It's shortly after Jesus' last supper, and in John's telling of that story, he doesn't talk about the, 
the, the giving of the, the bread and the cup. No, his, his focus is on when Jesus took a towel and a basin and washed the disciples' feet. And then after that, he has his last teaching moment, which this is part of. And after that teaching moment, he has a prayer for himself, for the disciples, and for all those who would follow later on. And then after that, Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and right away, or soon after that, he is arrested. And by the next day, he will be dead. He will be killed. So in other words, in this text today, it's the last time Jesus teaches his disciples, after being with them for three years. And now back to the text, that verse. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. i got to confess, there's a couple things I wish I could change in that sentence there. And if I could change them, then I'd be totally fine with this text. The first one is this. I really wish Jesus had not said, as I have loved you. Because to think back on those three years of ministry that Jesus had, and especially how he showed that love and who he showed that love for, I, I wish he hadn't said, as I have loved you. Because I know that when Jesus says, I have loved you, he's not just talking about me. And he's not just talking about the people that I know I could easily love. No, he says it in the context of three years of ministry that the disciples had seen and that we read about. When Jesus talks about how he has loved us, we know he's talking about how he shows love for the poor. Love for the outcasts and sinners. Love for the tax collectors. Now, and I've said this a billion times, so I'll just reference it a little bit. The tax collectors uh, scammed people. They could because they had the powerful military behind them, and there was nothing anybody could do. And so really, if anybody was worth hating, it would be the tax collectors. But Jesus even loved them. Jesus loved prostitutes. He loved lepers. And speaking of this love for prostitutes and sinners and all these people outside, Jesus totally disregarded all those boundaries that were very well known and long time ago drawn out of who was inside and who was outside in terms of society. Those who were honorable and those who were not. Those who had worth in the eyes of God and those who were unworthy. Jesus ignored all those boundaries and he reached out in love to the people on the wrong side of the tracks. But also this, and frankly this is even harder, Jesus loved those who lived in the places of power, those who had all the wealth and the recognition and status. He loved those very people who made sure those boundaries of who was in and who was out would be maintained. And Jesus loved those folks enough to call them out in their abuse of power they were using their power to take advantage of the poor and the immigrant and the widowed and the orphaned and the outcast. 
And even as Jesus loved these people in power enough to call them out for their abuses, he knew that doing that was going to get him killed. And sure enough, he got killed for it. Jesus got killed for the way he loved. You see, I wish Jesus had never said, as I have loved you. And there's another thing that I wish Jesus hadn't said in that sentence. That sentence that says, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Actually reading, I just want to change one part. Instead of saying love one another, I wish Jesus had said something like, something like, act like you love one another. Or maybe love some others. I wish Jesus had said that all we really needed to do was be nice. To be nice to folks. But that we really didn't need to get down in the nitty gritty living of life and actually having to love one another. But we know, we know that Jesus doesn't mean to love in that little bit way. We know that because that's not how Jesus loved. No, Jesus loved fully in all the hard ways that it would be. I prefer an easier route, a more comfortable and safe route, one that's not so demanding. And I certainly would like to avoid loving having to love in the way that Jesus loved the people of power by actually standing up to them and calling them out. Now, I prefer the kind of love that lets me set my limits. Okay, I'll love a little bit. I'll love some. And I'll love this person. I wish Jesus had said something like that. But he didn't let us off with that. Love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus has loved, that's how we are to love. And then just in case we want to dance around this and try to make excuses for it, Jesus throws in that cookie part, this is my commandment. Now, I do want to speak loudly, well not loudly, but emphatically against one notion of how one Christian line of thought goes about the notion of commandment. It comes from that way of thinking that, okay, we have to obey the commandments of God in order to be favored by God. In other words, we have to do these commands of God in order to get to heaven or in order to get something really cool in life, like a, like a new car. If we do these good things down here, then we'll get rewarded. Well, I have to say that I think that is absolutely, horrifically, and totally wrong. It says that we do what we do to get something from God. And then we'll only get something from God if we do these things. It's awful theology. It totally ignores the, the key pillars of our faith, which are grace and unconditional love. Now, I think when Jesus talks about commandment, he's talking about what it means to be his followers. It's very similar when Jesus says somewhere else, um, that if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up a cross and follow me. Jesus is saying something to the effect of, 
If, if you want to follow me, here's what I tell you to do. Here's my command for you, and that's to love as I have loved. So in other words, we're left with a text. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we could try to soft sell it all we want to. We could try to rationalize all that we want to to try to lessen the implications of this. But let's admit it. This is a hard text. Well, for me, this is a hard text. Maybe it's easy for you. So what am I, what are we, if you agree with me, what are we supposed to do about it? I mean, as Jesus has loved, well, we know who Jesus loved, we know how Jesus loved, and we know what happened to him in the end when he did love. Love one another in that same way. Not sometimes, not just who you want to, or not to act like it, not just to do a little bit. Love one another as Jesus is loved, period. And then, this is my command. Huh, fun text today. How in the world are we supposed to do this? I think the only way that we can even begin to try to listen to what Jesus is saying here is something that's in another part of our reading, an earlier part of our reading, verse 9 and part of verse 10. When he says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. The only way that we can begin to love one another as Jesus has loved us is to do what Jesus says, and that is to abide in his love. That word abide is the Greek word minnow, to stay, to remain, to stick around. Here's a definition of minnow that I read from a site this week. It's called the Greek geek. That sounds like me. Minnow. Here's what the Greek geek says means physically to just stay where you are. It means also to continue to live, to keep on keeping on. It also can mean to not change, to, to stay strong in one's resolve, to remain in a common purpose with others. It means to stay present, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. We can begin to learn to love one another as Jesus has loved us, when we remain in, when we stick around in, when we stay present in the love of Jesus. And notice he said here not to abide with him. That's somewhere else, but it's not here. It says to abide in his love. In other words, we're called to remember the greatness of the love of Jesus for us. Before I can even begin to dare to try to imagine what it means to love one another as Jesus is loved, I have to keep on reflecting on Jesus' love for me and keeping my eyes and my heart open to how Jesus is loving me in the right here, in the right now of life and seeing that love of Jesus being lived out in the lives of other people i got to keep abiding, remaining, sticking around in His love. 
I want to give a name to this, and I thought of this, and I thought it was a pretty neat name. The circle of love. The more I just abide in the love that Jesus has for me, the more I stick around in it, the more I can sense that call to love others as Jesus has loved me. And then when that call to love just gets impossibly hard and scary and awful and something I want to run away from, and it will happen. If it hasn't happened for you, then, then you're not trying to love enough. Whenever I get overwhelmed, then I've got to go back and remember and abide in Jesus' love for me. Abiding in a love that's being poured out for me all around every single day of life, even when I forget about it. And then in those moments when I can embrace the wonder and recognize the joy that is that love, then I hear the call again to love one another as I have been loved. The circle of love. Now I gotta stop and I gotta tell you something really cool, and I promise this is true. Really. As soon as I typed that sentence, it was Thursday, it was getting closer to noon. I have to be finished by Thursday around noon. If not, I start freaking out, okay? It's finishing up, and I just typed that sentence, and all of a sudden there's somebody pulling on the door, and, and I turn around and there's a car out there behind my office in the parking lot. I go out there. And there's a lady sitting in the, the passenger seat. I'm not going to say who it is because she's not here. And I wouldn't want to, you know, I, she doesn't know I'm telling this story. And it's a lady who doesn't get to come here very often for physical reasons. But she had brought this huge bag. It's about this big and about this wide. And it was bright baby blue. And I think, oh, for me, it's for the Mincer baby. This lady who very rarely gets to come to church, and I'm guessing probably hasn't had a chance to talk to Ben and Jolene more than a handful of times, brought this gift up here. It's in my office now. If you don't believe me, you can go look in my office, but don't look at the name tag. The circle of love. That really pumped me. Now I'd like to close with a quote. Did you get that, Ben? Did I, get, did I send that to you? You did? I tell you what, Ben, something. Patty, you did good. <laughs> Most of the time. This is from Mother Teresa. We all long for heaven where God is, but we have it in our power to be in heaven with Him right now, with Him at this very moment. Being with Him right now means loving as He loves, helping as He helps. Giving as He gives, serving as He serves, rescuing as He rescues, being with Him all 24 hours of the day, touching Him in His distressing disguise. The distressing disguise is all the times when we balk at loving that person, that group of people in front of us. The circle of love. Thanks be to God for creating that circle and keeping it going.
despite us. And thanks be to God for grace and love. Amen.